and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week. I'm your host this week, Ryan. I don't know. I should have read it the way it was said. I I tripped over it. But joining me is Crofton, both of us, back from vacation. Uh, It took an extra week off the podcast so we could vacation. Uh, But we are here. Lots has happened. Crofton, how's it going? It's it's going great, Ryan. I, I I'm feeling pretty rested. I'm right in my last week of vacation. I also really like how you lowered the bar there. You just tripped over your own words. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, we can restart this. It's literally the first line of the show. But no, no, I'm a professional. Just gonna go ahead and do it. And the you know, then Crofton will jump in and he will look amazing because of this. And I I appreciate you. You say it, we call that in the basketball parlance a layup. Yes, Ryan. Sports. You're like. Sports, yes, or a a a, a, a one timer. Is that what they call it in hockey? Or am I? Oh, one timer. Oh, going deep. Thanks, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's some NHL ninety four right there. You know it. You know it. Uh, I just remember playing the NHL game on the N sixty four, where the goalie would sometimes turn into a brick wall when he was making a lot of saves. I don't know if uh, that brings back some memories, but that happens in real hockey. Yes. Yeah, when when Crofton played a goalie, he would often morph into a brick wall. Here's the thing. There's a reason I'm I'm buttering Crofton up, making him look good, because I have a special segment for us to start off the show. Crofton knows nothing about this, only that the soundboard is making a triumphant return. Um, and I've got a little segment that I like to call the Crofton side of core. So... Crofton, I'm going to play you some clips, and uh, you are you are a name that comes up a lot on the core podcast with Scott Johnson, Bo Schwartz, and, and John Jagger, uh, a video game podcast that is likely recording now and has been recording for the last three or four hours on Twitch. And you come up a lot. You're the Seinfeld character of I don't, I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld, but um, Bob Sacamano. There it is, Bob. Bob, that guy. And uh, I don't know what that reference means, but I know that the reference is allow me to explain, Ryan. Go ahead. Uh, The reference, which I made to Bo and company and and like whatever. I mentioned Bo all the time on this show. Yes. We are friends in what we call in the business, the RL, the real life. Um, And uh, and uh, yeah, he uh, uh, in Seinfeld, there's a character. There's at least two characters, but the notable one that I think of uh, that are never seen on screen, but always mentioned. And Kramer has a friend called Bob Sacamano, and he will mention him like just in. A, he's like, I was just telling my friend Bob Sacamano that, you know. And uh, and it's like a recurring. At first, you don't really notice it, but then, like three seasons in, you're like, God, he mentions this guy Bob Sacamano a lot. So I tweeted to uh, to um, the core pop folks the other day. I'm like, I feel like I'm the Bob Sacamano of your podcast. Well, it's it's true. And uh, this is a more recent explanation, but it turns out, Crofton, uh, you've been mentioned quite a bit. Uh, I have a I haven't. So as a little bit of background, I've been trying to clear my backlog of core podcasts. I did a road trip this uh, between our last two episodes and uh, um, I'm listening to core a lot. And here's the first clip. This is from 2019. Pre-pandemic, December 19th, 2019. There's a lot of stuff in this episode that was like, you know, oh, I can't wait for 2020. And uh, a lot of cyberpunk love. But I, I, this is our first clip here uh, from episode 204. And basically what I want you to do is I want you to explain 
the Crofton side of court because they have not invited you on, correct? To to explain yourself, even though you you come up a lot, right? Oh no, no, absolutely not. They they have not. But to be fair, I've not invited them over. Actually, that's not true. I think I invited Bo once and he came. But but yeah, go ahead. How many of these clips are there going to be, Ryan? Just three. I've got three, and you know what? No promises that this will ever happen again. And if it does, it'll likely only be one clip. But I I have three. Okay, hit me. Okay, here's the first one. I guess you'd still have to Unless wait I a year. Borrow a friend. I don't know if I have a friend with a PlayStation Four. What about what's his um, name? Um, uh, Crofton. Cro- Crofton. He's got something. He's got a Switch. I just don't know if he has a PlayStation Four. He might. He might lend it to me. Yeah. All right. So Crofton, do you have a PS Four? Circa late 2019. I did. I did have a PS Four, and for the record, I would have lent it to Bo. However, instead. He got gifted a PS4 by a listener because that's how what's a big shot he is in in the podcasting world. Somebody sent him a PS4 in which he used to play, I think, Final Fantasy VII uh, reboot or remake, which is I probably the game he was talking about in that yes. clip, and um, and then played nothing else ever again on the PlayStation Four, which breaks my heart. Yeah. There's a lot of great places for stuff. Uh, and by the way, if this does become a regular segment, I think this will be our intro. What about what's his um, name? Um, uh, Crofton? Cro- Crofton. He's got something. <laughs> so there you go. Anyways, moving right along. Next clip is from 308. We're starting to get into the 2022s here. This is from March 31st, 2022. And uh, here we go. We have these fun interactions like monsters come wandering into your base. So when someone leaves the door, you ever seen Hateful Eight? And they're like, shut the damn door. I love Hateful Eight. So we do that all the time. Crofton leaves the damn door open. Who left the door open? I wonder who it was. Crofton left the door. He's like, I didn't leave it open. Like, you know, you close the door when you leave the base. So, Crofton, why indeed did you leave the door open when you're playing Valheim with your friends? I don't understand it. So for the record, there's no proof necessarily that it was me, but I will say that often the door was left open and knowing how sort of like ADD Mike and Bo are about the door, I'm going to say it likely was me who left them open, but I can't remember leaving them open. So I would argue every time being like, it wasn't me. How do you know it was me? And and then Bo takes uh, advantage of his bully pulpit of all these people and then says, you know, Crofton leaves the door open. Okay, so maybe he's right. Probably he's right. But there's no intrinsic evidence that says uh, I'm right. And honestly, even when the door was left open, what did it do? It just added a little spice. Some little monster came in. We're like, how did he get in here? Oh, you know, and then we would kill him. There you go. Uh, Last one here. This is one from August of, of this year. So very recent. Episode 327 of CORE, and here we go. Uh, by the way, um, f- uh, you know my friend Crofton Steers? Yeah. And uh, my other friend, Michael Hodgins, that I talk about, the Bob Sacramento's of the show. Yeah. Uh, they, they very much appreciated that they drew me falling off the ski <laughs> thing right away. That's kind of my yeah. story in real life, that's too. Real life story. <laughs> I'm not really good at the winter sports. That's pretty much... They were like laughing in recognition because it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's about right. It's <laughs> that, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. All right. I I don't actually know what the Crofton side of this one would be, but it it sounds like maybe you witnessed Bo fall off a ski lift of some kind. Uh, so here's the thing: is that that the context of that clip is that um, Scott's daughter did an animated version of a clip from the core podcast because again, huge 
big show, obviously, you know, they're trying to name drop me for attention, obviously, you know, whatever, but, uh, but they got, they've got their, they've got their stuff together. People are uh, listening and Scott's daughter, very talented, just, just this animated, uh, really worth checking out of, of this, uh, little clip where John was doing sort of tongue twisters. Um, and, uh, and Bo makes a cameo in the clip as falling off a falling off a ski lift and uh my experience with Bo is he's not a big winter sports guy but uh he also is not a big summer sports guy but also he's not scared seemingly of bodily harm and this is what one thing that is I find very interesting when we were talking about NHL off the top I was thinking in in the brick wall I was thinking of the time that Bo came and was our like we had I had this thing that I started called nerd hockey. It was for um, nerds that had never played hockey because in Canada a lot of us play hockey like in organized leagues growing up. Both my brothers did, but I didn't. Right, so there's a bunch of adults that like would like to play hockey, but they can't because they suck too bad and they don't want to you know step up to some like rec hockey league or whatever. So they just want to learn. So so I said, oh, I'm going to put together this this nerd hockey league. Um, so we met and it was a bunch of us that would get together and just sort of play uh, on an evening uh, in the winter. And I, I coerced Bo into doing it, but he has no skates. So he was goalie um, and he was goalie in his like jeans. And and uh, and he, he there, there's a shot and he would just he would just jump like in like, like in the air, almost laterally to to throw his body in front of the puck and then it would crash down onto the ice. And uh, he did the same thing when we played ultimate Frisbee in the summer, he would just jump and he would total disregard for his personal safety. And then, uh, and then I think in the summer he broke a rib or something, but in the, uh, in, <laughs> in the winter, he never played hockey with us again. The next day he's like, I'm all purple and I hurt. And I was like, yeah, that's cause you were like throwing your body on the ice. Like, like you were invincible. But yeah. So when I saw, that clip of, of of him falling off a ski lift I, i'm like that seems like something bo would do well there you go uh the first segment of croft inside a core uh you can check out core frogpants.com slash core uh and if you have crofton mentions that you want me to clip out send uh the episode and a rough timestamp, and we'll do it again if if uh if you want us to do it again i don't know if if i hear something funny i will certainly bring it here but that was the first uh, sort of iteration of that. Thank you so much for humoring me there, Crofton. Uh, let's let's delve into the dungeons because I know you and I have had a busy couple weeks playing lots of video games, watching lots of movies. And yeah, I want to hear about your trip because you did some video game tourism. Yeah, no, I I, I do uh, want to talk about that. I, there's so much to talk about that. And I, I hear you, Ryan. You're, you're always wanting something a bit meatier. And uh, I, I've just, uh, I spent the whole trip like uh, with the family doing a variety of things. And I'm trying to think, how am I going to talk about this on, on, on the show? Uh, looking at the dungeons, looking at the diapers and all of this. So for the dungeons, I just wanted to mention that, um, uh, you know, uh, this is something that might resonate a little bit with, with folks and listeners because, I obviously am really into video games. I think a lot of the listeners of this show and, and other shows uh, um, are into video games. And it, how does that work with travel? 
Um, because when you're into something, often you can pair it with with travel. People who like food, for instance, uh, fine cuisine. Maybe they would go on a, a food trip, or people who like um, you know art, paintings, sculptures. There might be a, a trip that would lend itself well to that. Uh, cinemaphi- cinephiles, uh, people who are into movies. Like you go to New York City. I went to New York City uh, the first time and I'm going to where like the Ghostbusters building was, where Borat washed his clothes in Central Park. Like there's there's a bunch of like tours that take you to these points of interest if you're into movies and it's always a kick to see them, right? But uh, for video games, because they're such a digital domain and because they're made often in like boring offices and stuff, there's not a ton in which like you can anchor a trip around. Like what are the things – like Ryan, if I were to ask you, I'm like, okay, you're doing a video game themed trip. Like what what would you – what are the things that you would gravitate towards? Like what is something that could could anchor a trip like that? Hmm. I – like if you're looking for video game things, I think the thing that comes to mind and and, I, and this might be seen as like, oh, well, you knew what I was going to talk about. But for me, it's always when we go to the movie theaters, the kids want to go play in the arcade. And and I remember when I was a kid, we didn't have arcades. And that was that was where you you went. That's where you got to play games. Uh, well, arcade games was the movie theater. And I always think like maybe that's one thing that would be you know, a fun tourism type thing is, is to basically find that for, for the kids to, to enjoy. I I remember when I was a kid playing, like not really having a lot of experience with arcade games, but playing a few like at the local movie theater. Um, But like, like arcades really aren't a thing. You do kind of have to travel for them these days. Although I do feel like movie theaters kind of have them still. Right. I, I found one thing I was thinking about just about arcades on that topic was that was that there's unless somebody knows of this type of site and can tell me there just seems to be no way if I'm looking for a particular arcade game to figure out where it is like like who has a Mario Kart GP cabinet uh, you mm. know or who has a uh, San Francisco Rush to the Rock cabinet or whatever like. You're lucky. You walk into the few remaining arcades. You walk into it, and there, it's there. You feel like, wow, I, I found one. But it would be really neat if you were would be able to like track these down somehow. Anyway, arcades, absolutely. I, like for me, for for video game tourism, the three things that, that jumped to mind really were were like conventions, things like you know uh, a BlizzCon or an E3 or what have you, um, arcades. Uh, and and then just Japan in in general, and I think that's tied into the arcades and used game shops and stuff. I think there's a lot in Japan as sort of like the birthplace of, of much of modern console gaming that 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 would you know you could perhaps anchor a trip around. Um, but yeah, I mentioned on the last episode that I had found out that the largest arcade in the world was in New Hampshire, and it's called Fun Spot. Was in. I at first was exposed to, to it in this documentary called "The King of uh, King of Kongs: A Fistful of Quarters," which is a great documentary about uh, a guy challenging the top score in, in Donkey Kong. Um, but uh, but yeah, and and they they did it at Fun Spot, and so 
I had kind of built it up in my mind and was was like, okay, this thing, this the, the world's biggest arcade is like five hours drive from my house, and I've never been. Yes, it's across, it's in a different different country or whatever, but I should check this out. It's the world's biggest arcade, as per the Guinness Book of Records and such. So that was a big, like that was a part of the trip that I'm focusing on in the dungeons here because I dragged the whole family to that area, which is Laconia, New Hampshire. And it's in what's known as like the Lakes District of New Hampshire. So there's actually a lot of fun stuff to do for your family, like, you know, lakes to swim in. They have a, a boardwalk with a, a train and a and, and a cruise. And, and there's a, there is a bunch of stuff mini golf, whatever, like drive-in movie theater. It feels a bit like Atlantic City almost in a, in a way paired with a kind of more scenic area. So very, you know, there's more than just Fun Spot. But, you know, not kidding anyone, Fun Spot was the main reason we went to, to Laconia. And it was for, for me, it was, I, I, in my, like, again, in my mind, I expected there to be a lot. Um, and I've, not saying I have so much of an emotional attachment to the arcade scene, but I have had moments in my life where I have been really sort of, um, you know, uh, at, at involved in an arcade. I, I'll give an example, which is when I was in college, um, the college town I was in, there were, there were arcade machines here and there, including in one bar that we went to, and there was a San Francisco rush machine. Uh, and I played it like I want to say daily with a, a, a few of my friends. We would like whenever we were at Annie's, the the pub, we would play Rush. Um, and uh, uh, I got you know I got pretty good at it. We knew the shortcuts, we knew all this sort of stuff. So uh, and there's other games that were in other places that I have sort of emotional connections to. So I was kind of hoping to see and play these older games, but also see like. You know, there the, the uh, Fun Spot is the home of a video game museum as well, uh, arcade museum, and mostly focused on the 1980s to 90s period. So, like the original arcade boom with Pac-Man, Galaga, all of these, all of these games. Uh, so, a little bit older than me. Like in my my, I was a big 90s, early 90s to to late 90s. That's what my experience in the arcade. So. Um, so I got to Fun Spot with the family, and first off, going <laughs> anywhere with the family like this is is challenging because there's so much noise and sights and sound. There's there's distractions. They have like like mini bumper cars and different things in there, um, and the kids are running around and they want to do different things. And I I kind of wanted to go explore, but you know I didn't want to leave my wife hanging either. It was kind of a tricky tricky type situation. So we kind of agreed that I would have like an hour at one point to look around and to play, you know, whatever games, but I was going to hang out with the family at first and, and, and find spots that were good for kids. Uh, Ryan, I'm not sure if you've been into an arcade lately. I have now been into multiple arcades in the past little while. And it turns out that the arcade scene is less dead than I thought. It is now actually pretty happening, but it is focused on uh, a different type of gaming, which is um, tickets, like getting tickets and cashing them in at a desk for mini prizes. Have you have you ever done any of that? Like you do it at a fair sometimes, but yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever been in an arcade like that where it's like you spin a wheel to get a hundred tickets or whatever. And yeah, there's a lot of a lot of games of chance. Uh, last time we were in Niagara Falls, actually on Clifton Hill, they have like a like a play 
zone or whatever, which is, uh, it, it is an arcade and so, some of the machines are just strictly put, put the, the, the currency in and play the game similar to, to like the movie theater when I was a kid. But, uh, other games are like games of chance to win tickets to, to exchange them for prizes. But I think like even our local theaters kind of converted their, you know, arcade zone into a similar sort of ticket system, but mind you a lot, uh, more condensed, but I, I do recall when I was at uh, Niagara Falls, they had like a like a fully fledged arcade. And and, and you're right, like, you know, bringing uh, bringing your kids there. I cannot. I, I you know, here's my here's my question. I don't want you to jump around. I'm sure you've got a you got a map that you want to follow with this one. But um, my my biggest thing when it comes to arcades is like, A, they're expensive. Um, and, and B, like, how do you uh, how do you like, you know, limit the amount of games that your kids are like, that would be my thing. If we went in, I would, I would have a hard time trying to figure out. It's like, okay, what's, what's the fair limit here in terms of like, you guys can each play three different machines or, or, you know, it gets expensive if you let them just run, run through the arcade. Right. Or do you give them like 20 bucks on a card and call it a day? Cause sometimes you were saying it's got card based, right? Well, not fun stop bot was like ticket based. You got okay. these tickets at like, oh, but since I've been to an arcade in Ottawa this week, in fact, um, called Fun Haven, uh, they're all wow. got fun in the name. Uh, and Fun Haven was, um, was a card. They give you a card, you fill it up and all of this. And it really made you detach from how much money you were spending, um, which was the idea, I'm sure. I, I said, I said in both cases, like, we're going to, we're going to prep for how much money we want to spend. And it, you know, arcades, when I was a kid, I felt were so expensive uh, because as a kid, surprise, I didn't have much money, but as an adult, I have quite a lot of money. So it changes the paradigm uh, a lot. Like if you say like, I'm going to get 50 bucks in quarters and in an American arcade or 50 bucks in tokens that can last you quite a while, as long as the games are a reasonable price. Now the, Fun Spot, to its credit, had a lot of these classic games where you could play a quarter or whatever, fifty cents or different things. But but these new machines, of which there is a, a bunch, like there's this one Jurassic Park one. You sit inside the jeep and you got double guns and you're shooting dinosaurs, and it's like you know they're very expensive a pop. And, but the the way that they they get you is that they say you're also going to win tickets off it that you can redeem for prizes. Uh, so there's kind of three types of machines when you're in an arcade. There's the ones that you put money in and you play a game like we used to. There's the ones that are just to win tickets. Like you could spin a wheel and you get tickets or there was a claw game where all you're doing is picking up tickets. Like – like there's they're just uniformly about tickets and then there's the ones that are like video games but really just to get tickets i played this one it was like this ghostbusters game it it was just giant cabinet and they actually shot ball like you're shooting balls out of this gun that's anyway it's it's very very intricate um in how it's presented it's a giant thing uh, but they they insta game over you after like you do one level and then you win a certain amount of tickets based on your performance. And then it's over. Like they they don't let you play the next level. If you want to play next level, you got to pay again and choose another level, right? So they get away from the kicking you off the machine by giving you tickets. And uh, that seems to be the new way of these games. There's also um, virtual reality, a lot of like 
I saw HTC Vibes combined with arcade cabinets that would allow allow you to have experiences. I saw none of this at FunSpot. And I would like to point out that FunSpot was hugely disappointing, I think, in retrospect. And uh, I don't know what I expected, uh, but like I, I think I expected there to be everything, every arcade machine imaginable. There was definitely not that definitely heavy preference to the 80s to 90s they have an upstairs area where those cabinets were glued together it felt a bit like the the, the arcade feel in stranger things i think season two they're they're in an arcade is kind of reddish or whatever it really had that sort of feeling in there um and i think that for somebody who is like in arcades in the 80s, um, they would be tremendously hit with nostalgia. But the whole place, Fun Spot, was very, like, falling apart at the seams. Like, it was very, very run down. It wasn't wasn't particularly, you know, fancy place. Yes, on the main floor, they had, like, 1990s games. But they didn't even have Street Fighter 2. And I can't imagine, like, having, you know, the, the, the be-all, end-all arcade and not having any variant of Street Fighter 2, you know? It just seems like... I unbelievable and uh i asked i asked a couple of guys i'm like is there no street fighter 2 here and they're like you know they would bounce me around but in the end it was clear that there there wasn't and it also wasn't really that big and i guess the 80s section at the top was like they were all sandwiched together and so there were a lot of games in there but on the website or in different you get the impression that there's just tons and tons and i see these lists of like best arcades in the world and fun spot is up there just based on the fact that it, it i guess has all these 80s to 90s cabinets but i i just felt that like i i felt a little bad coming out of it and i recognized that i had designed this part of the trip to go here to have a video game tourism experience and in the end you know it it wasn't super satisfying and what was funny about it was that just coincidentally in laconia um the same town found spot is a little bit outside of town but there's i mentioned the boardwalk this area called weir's beach there's two arcades on the boardwalk of weir's beach and i would say that those arcades were both more satisfying in many ways and one of them had a san francisco rush machine which again they did not have at fun spots um and was one of the games i was looking to play and i sat down and i played rush and it was like time rewound and i was sitting next to my my friends from college and stuff all over again and that was the experience i was looking for but i was and i was lucky to get it at this like boardwalk arcade but uh but yeah so it, it's it, it's tricky um uh, touring around and, and looking for an experience as a video gamer that mixes travel with your love of games. Like I, I wanted, a, you know, to get a sense of like, I looked at a list of games that were supposed to be at fun spot. Most of them weren't there, you know, like there was no X-Men arcade cabinet, for instance, you know, there's no, like there's a bunch of these common games that were not there. So I, I would just say that um, while the kids had a great time, I had a great time, but then it it was counter, but it was it was a great time in that it was fun, but it was not like the the enlightening arcade experience that I kind of wanted it to be, and it compared poorly to the Boardwalk arcades. And then when I came back to Ottawa, I went to uh, Gwen asked me this week if we would go to an arcade because um, she's now got a taste for it, <laughs> and so I I took her to Fun Haven which we hadn't been to since before the pandemic and they have 
totally upgraded. And it was the glossiest, fanciest arcade I've ever been to. It was also the most expensive. It was the one that had Mario Kart GP, that had all these virtual reality games, that had like just the newest, latest, and greatest in arcade games. It was all in Ottawa that I played them, not in – I went on to this big trip and in the end – it was it was close to home that I I saw these games. They had nothing retro though, which is in the end what I'm I guess I'm looking for more. So, all long long story to say um, that you know while I was disappointed by Fun Spot, it gave me a little bit more of a, a an introspective approach to like how can I fit my love of video games with travel like it feels like those two things are separate that video games there's no like people are I you know people say like oh what's a good city in America for video games oh Seattle why Seattle oh it has fast internet speeds and there's a lot of big video game headquarters there like Valve and others and I'm like okay but I mean would I go to Seattle and then go knock on Valve's door and be like hey can you give me a tour you know, probably not. Their their businesses are not. You know, and I know that there's a new Mario World being opened. I think it's opening in Japan or had opened in Japan, and maybe that's the solution, like something like that that caters to the fan. But if it does really feel like there is a dearth of these experiences, like uh, that, there's somebody could make a ton of money by opening opening up a video game destination that caters to people. That, that enjoy games and stuff. I know it seems weird to travel here to get away from a screen to only look at these screens, but like it is for those of us who love games, it's a passion, right? So I think like when it's funny, I, like I was, I was on vacation as well and you and I like to play video games and, and that is always a tough conversation. Sometimes it's like when I go on vacation, I was like, okay, I want to be able to play some video games. I want to be able to watch you know, uh, a new show that may be arriving. Like for me, when I go on vacation, it's like, I don't have a problem taking a break and watching like a half hour show that may have launched. So when we were on vacation last week, uh, She-Hulk had, uh, had premiered on Disney plus, we were working our way through umbrella Academy and Ashley will always say like, well, we, we rented this cottage. We should enjoy, you know, where we are and i'm like yeah i mean we enjoyed it all day i think we could take a half hour to just <laughs> relax and watch a new marvel show or watch a bit of umbrella academy and it's like for me i like to relax and how i relax is i is, is by playing games by watching some tv but of course like enjoying you know the festivities around you but yeah like i would i think it's totally fine to uh you know go to a, go on some video game tourism go to an arcade like that's that's still, I mean, even though you do have an arcade in your town, um, going like going to where you went, if it was on the way and it wasn't that big of a detour, I think like it's totally fine to you know, you know, encapsulate your your uh, your hobbies into your vacation. It's like you're not. It's not like you took work, right? <laughs> it's like oh no, I and I think that's I. Like, I don't think that's an issue with my wife or anything. She was tremendously supportive no. of us adding Laconia as a, a destination, even though that she wasn't like, what is there really? And I'm like, well, I, I want to check out Fun Spot. The, and, and, and she was very supportive of it. It's just that I think my great, my bigger thing is, is that like, there's not, you sit down as a gamer and think like, I'd like to go on a trip somewhere. It feels like you have to divorce that from your love of video games in the sense of like, the, 
you know, the only time I can really think of the two intersecting in a way that made it really enjoyable uh, was in um, 2000. I went on a backpacking trip and I went through uh, down to, to Mexico with my buddy Mike, but we went through New Orleans in the States. And I had played this game, adventure game called Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers uh, in 1993. And I probably replayed it multiple times. It does a really great ex- I, uh, job of capturing New Orleans. And, and you have a mini map of New Orleans. You go to certain places. You go to certain locations in which they essentially photograph them and turn them into pixel art and, and this sort of thing. And I, it really was a mood piece, that game. And I really enjoyed it. And it was one of the first games where I'm, I'm getting older and I'm, you know, it's a murder mystery and all of this. And when I went to New Orleans, I, I I dragged Mike to these, like, he's like, why are we going to this cemetery? I'm like, because it was in Gabriel Knight and I want to see what it looks like, you know, in the same way that you would go to a movie and, and do this, like go to a place where they filmed the movie. I was going to a place where they quote film the game. It was the first time I had done what I would call video game tourism. Right. Um, and, uh, now though, it's like, you know, most of the games that I'm playing are in like fantastical worlds, uh, or, or what have you. And there it's, it's different. It's like that, that's a, that's a rare experience. You're not going to go visit the place where they, you know, set a video game very often and, and appreciate what they did or, or what have you. I recognize like it was rare then it's even rarer now and there's more games. So um anyway maybe that is the approach though maybe that's like think about a game that is that that is that's near and dear to your heart and it's like where was it set like the horizon games were set i think they're they're, you know it's in the future but they're supposed to be set in the american west so it's like you could potentially visit some of the places they base those games and and then pop for those locations um you know, I, I I'm not sure, but either way, it just made me recognize that uh, it, there's a gap in that market, and that it's in, it, it it is interesting, and that people who people travel for arts, history, and culture all the time for food, uh, for 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 movie. There's movie lovers, um, but for video games, with the death of some of these mega conferences, uh, which were like pilgrimage sites for a lot of gamers, there's less choice than ever for video game tourism yeah i mean like it for for me i remember uh going on a trip we, we were actually going to um a wedding on ashley's side of the family it was it was actually in new hampshire and we were going and it was it was in boston we were outside boston but we went to boston for one day and uh the nerdiest thing like we spent the whole time running around with ashley's family and uh, an extended family. And it, it just, it didn't work out. It wasn't the touristy type thing we wanted to do because we were trying to, you know, stay out, uh, stay together as a group. And and I had planned one thing and Ashley was all on board and it was to meet up with uh, some podcasting friends. And this was early on in the podcasting day. So like, you know, Ashley was all on board, but uh, the, uh, the in-laws, they didn't really understand it. My parents, they, they didn't understand it, but they were, they were supportive. So we were meeting uh, friends of mine who we podcast with, uh, Lou and Bob from Zombies Ate My Podcast, and never met them before. And I said, like, no, we're going go to go to dinner. We're going to meet up in Boston, and we're going we're to have a great time. And explaining that to uh, my in-laws was just like, really? We're going to, like, meet up with these people you've never met before that you podcast with once a week? You talk on the internet? okay, Ryan, like, I guess it can't be worse than the, 
boat we went and saw that was kind of boring. It's like, okay, okay. And it turned out it was it was the best thing we did on that entire trip. I mean, outside the wedding was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But uh, in terms of like doing some <laughs> tourism stuff, it was a lot of fun. And everyone was like, oh, that was really great. And, and uh, you know, it just goes to show like when you are traveling and you're going to visit places like you got to mix it up. You can't just do the tour. Like, I think we even we, we also did the the cheers thing. They had a cheers bar there in Boston. My, my father-in-law yes. wanted to go. And I said to him, absolutely, we should go again. We're here. We're probably not going to. Be back anytime soon. We should go to the Cheers bar. I've never seen an episode of Cheers, but I drank in the bar that looked like the one on the TV show, and it was fine. It was great. It's a lot of fun. You should watch Cheers, man. That show's awesome. Anyway, whatever. I'm just I'm just <laughs> dropping as many you know uh, sitcoms that I've never seen. Seinfeld. You haven't seen Seinfeld and Cheers, man, Ryan. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, but you I saw what? She-Hulk. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's see uh, what stands the test of time, Ryan. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a Marvel show. Um, Marvel shows are great. Don't get me wrong. And She-Hulk is fantastic. I really love it. Uh, it. Again, we talked last episode about comedies and how hard it is to come across a fun comedy, especially one that's within your realm of of hey, interests. So, Hey, Ryan. What? You know what's a good comedy? What? Cheers. Okay. All right. And, cheers and, and, came hey, before hey. I was alive, I think. You know you, you know what's another good one? Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there, all these shows remind me of uh Frasier, which was a show that would come on and it would basically <laughs> tell me now it's time to stop watching TV because the boring stuff's on. That's just Did you did you know that Frasier is a spin-off of Cheers? Is it? Oh, okay. Well, no, I knew that, but I was trying to remember did if you? it was Cheers or if it was something else. And I was—I didn't want to put my foot in my mouth. Frasier is is part of the CCU, the Cheer Cinematic Universe. Is there more to the CCU? No, there's oh. just those two. Is it however, a... <laughs> uh, however, I think Frasier is getting there's something like they're doing a a reboot or Let's something. Frasier re would it be a reboot or would it be a revival? Frasier the. The yeah revival, the Frasier the Emmys loved Frasier like they they would win every year but I you know and I recognize it it, it was a good show it was pretty funny but I, I never it never really got me like Cheers had that just like Cheers is you know the proto Friends in the sense that it really set these disparate personalities in an environment that you just wanted to hang out in. You know, it, it was the hang. It was the OG hangout comedy. Anyway, right. enough about Cheers. You totally sidetracked me. Your father-in-law has impeccable taste. Keep going. Yeah. No. Anyway, that was basically. I just, you know, when you're planning a trip, I think you just have to, you you have to, just look look at uh, every avenue to just have fun and do different things. And of course, you should go to the arcade. And I'm and as you were saying, like no one was standing in the way of that. But I just remember a trip. I like we drove to boston it was a long ass drive and i think we got to do one or two things again outside we were there for the wedding the wedding was fantastic but you know in terms of being there to do some touristy stuff we got to do two things that we wanted to do after a day of of uh doing stuff we again the wedding it was not the wedding this is the after the <laughs> i want people to understand you really hated this wedding i know everyone's like man this guy's really no the wedding was amazing it was awesome sure um 
but yeah so anyways uh let's talk let's talk about something else let's so here's the thing i just i want to say one other thing one last thing because it 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 dovetails with your point Mm. which was that when i was a kid um my we would go down we would go down to florida and other places and uh my there the hotels we would go at especially they still do to a certain extent but back then it was very common for them to have games rooms that had a bunch of arcade machines in them and uh the american hotels particularly like their games room and i loved the games room and it drove my mom nuts because here we are beautiful down south we got the pool and all this and i was swimming and enjoying the pool but i kept wanting quarters to go to the games room anyway we were at uh Laconia, again, of all places, the place that has two Portawalk arcades and Fun Spot. And we're at our hotel, and sure enough, it has a games room. And it's all like retro games, like, like uh, you know, uh, Hydro Thunder. It's got uh, two Mortal Kombats or whatever it's got. But the, the, it was the first arcade that my girls went to because they wanted to know what the games room is. And they went in and there were like motorcycle games where you could sit on the motorcycles and they were enamored and they kept wanting to go back to the games room and they wanted to show my wife the games room. And it just made me laugh so much because it was, I, you know, it was exactly, then I was the guy being like, well, we can't be in the games room all day, guys. we got to get out on the beach. We're paying a lot to be here. I'm like, oh my God, I became my parents. Yeah. Well, there you go. And that's the thing. It's like we all are destined to become uh, our parents, especially when it comes to vacations, because like I think I did a bit of that too. Oz on vacation. Um, They I think the first the first night we were on vacation, the Internet went down and uh, which is which again, I said to Ashley, I hate to complain that the internet went down, but like really it's part of this really expensive rental and it should like, even if it's just there to like load a little bit of Netflix for the kids when they want it. Um, I did feel bad, but look, Ashley, I really like being in this beautiful cottage with this picturesque view and all this, but if the Wi-Fi is down, I can't watch she Hulk. And that's a problem. <laughs> you know, again, like I, I, I felt bad. We, uh, and for the record, we spent like the whole day outside and, uh, enjoying the cottage but sometimes you just need to watch the premiere of she hulk uh so there you go um look right after we finished recording our last episode uh i was actually in a car maybe like 20 minutes away from from crofton we did not get a chance to to meet up but that was that was mostly my fault because i I, for, I forgot to mention it until I was in Ottawa, so that's totally my bad. I've, I've done that a couple times this summer. It's just been so crazy that I forget to mention these things. But next time, for sure. Um, but because of our car situation at home, uh, I, did, I didn't have a vehicle, and Ashley was going one way, and I, I got invited to go uh, another way. So uh, Ashley was, had planned this whole camping trip with the two oldest and her family, and I was going to be home with Isabel because, again, I know there are some people who camp and will take like their six-month-old and and they love to camp um we don't we're not really into camping but like ashley wanted to take the kids camping and i think we've got this is our last year where we'll probably will we'll keep isabel home like i think next year we'll all go as as a as a whole family um but i the whole plan was i was going to stay home and uh, with isabel but then we got invited to this uh this wedding so i said oh well, i'll come up with isabel it was our we did a road trip and i had to rent a car and again like I don't know about you, Crofton, but 
any car I've ever owned. Well, sorry, I've only owned one car. Um, and it was, you know, a 2006 or something is nothing special. Uh, but cars have come a long way and I ended up renting. And when you rent a car, you get like a top of the line thing. And I got to play around with, uh, some car tech that I've never used before. It was called, it was, uh, it had Apple CarPlay, which is similar to the same thing. I think Android has a similar one. It's like auto Google auto auto. I don't know what it's called, but it's in there. But I, anyways, I got to play around with this like Apple CarPlay and it was really cool. Like you plug your phone into the car and then like your the dashboard screen becomes your phone. And it, it was basically like you could access all I was able to listen to podcasts and like, you know, tap through like you would control the radio, but you're controlling your podcast app and, uh, you know, maps and stuff. It was really, uh, really neat. Have you ever experienced or played around with, uh, you know, any of that CarPlay stuff or, or Google I don't even know what it's called for Android. No, but like, I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest. I do all that stuff already. Like I have a, I have like my, I get in my car and my phone pairs by Bluetooth to the uh, thing. I stick it on this thing on my dash and uh, it starts playing my podcasts and uh, it, uh, I, you know, I GPS, whatever. It's just like, you know, with Bluetooth, any and uh, I, I get that. I get that you're talking about like it's this new super immersive connective mm-hmm. tissue, and like I just like for me, I wouldn't want to be distracted any more than I already am by my, you know, uh, by my phone. And but beyond that, it's like how many like I'm listening to the podcast through the the stereo system. I I don't know how any better you can listen <laughs> to an audio audio thing. So I mean, like I. I I, I guess I'd be curious because every once in a while, Elon Musk is like, oh, Cuphead now plays on Tesla or soon the new Teslas will have steam or something. And I'm like, why? What? Why? You're supposed to be driving a car. <laughs> well, you're, you're not wrong. And here's the thing. Uh, of course, I'm familiar with the fact that you can Bluetooth your your phone to your to your car. And again, like, I, I don't want to sound like someone who's never used technology in a vehicle. But like, again, the the cars we own, we don't have Bluetooth. I actually have this like little um, Amazon, this adapter that's basically it's a, a headphone plug. You plug it into the auxiliary uh, port on your on your car and it's like a little Bluetooth receiver. And what it does is it just it it doesn't even you have to turn it on and then you and you sync your phone to it and then you play the podcast through Um and that's basically been, been our experience with with sort of car tech. Again, very low key stuff. Uh, but yeah, like you're right. Like there obviously has been leaps and bounds from there. And the current stuff being this, I think they call it, um, you know, display uh, mirroring or whatever. And and instead of it being just your phone on the screen, it is a custom UI that has been built by Apple or, or Google to to present uh, stuff and and you're right. Like you think, oh, and I was thinking too. Like, how distracting is this going to be? And yes, if you have your phone on the dashboard, I I used to do that, but I found that too distracting. Like just having your phone attached to your dashboard, like it it the phone didn't know you were driving, or the phone well the phone knew you were driving, but the phone didn't have like a driving mode that would like present the UI in a way where you're not gonna you know get distracted or or go off. Like it's just. It, it would be distracting, but I found like with this screen thing, my phone does. Oh, does it? See, you're. I think you're Android, right? So that probably has like a car mode that changes the UI. 
it changes the whole UI, makes it much more. It's still like, you know, you're still touching a screen of the same size, but it allows you to like, if I got to switch between say the podcast or my thing better, but yeah, it, it, you know, like, I mean, obviously it could be, it could be bigger, better, more immersive. I, I just feel like, like this is like one of those heated seats type deal. They're nice to have actually heated seats is a bad analogy. Heated seats are yeah. Awesome. Especially here you'd probably want, heated seats I, and then again here's how bad my car was like i went out and bought like a, a heated pad a, adapter for my car i think it was a christmas gift and it uh again the car i had there's a reason i don't have anymore it's because it barely did anything but it did drive pretty well until it didn't um and that's why we got rid of it but like i realize going from playing in a bunch of arcades to ryan drove a rental car for a day and a half and it had apple carplay like I, I was just uh, I just never used the tech before. It's it's come a long way. And, and, you know, as an Apple user where Apple is very apprehensive about changing their UI, it was really interesting to see like a like your phone being presented in a, in a different way. And it worked quite well. The maps and uh, Siri in, in, uh, inclusion and even my podcast app, which wasn't the built in app, it was overcast, has its own CarPlay. So even some apps uh, not made by Apple specifically have like CarPlay UI. So there's a bit of extra work done in there, but I, I really enjoyed it again. Like, as you said, are you going to go to the dealer next time you buy a car and say, make sure it has CarPlay? Chances are it might already have it. I think most cars have those like dash screens, uh, but yeah, it was cool. I really, I really enjoyed it and it was, it was fun. I didn't find it too distracting either. I, I found it to be like any other dash that you would have. Ryan, let me ask you a question. Mm. Can, can you watch Cheers on your dash? <laughs> no. See, this is the thing. Like, it's very controlled. What is the point? I, I know. <laughs> I understand. I understand your frustration. Uh, I think if you buy a Tesla, though, you might be able to watch Cheers on your dash screen. Jeez. Maybe. If not, at least She-Hulk. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, well, you know what? Let's uh, let's chat about the, the next thing. I wanted to quickly mention... But we're going to get into some video game talk here. Uh, just a quick plug for uh, the Gamers in Game Club. We've started a new one. We've finished up 13 Sentinels. We moved on to the next game. We're playing Pyre right now uh, from Super Giant Games. Have you ever played Pyre, Crofton? No, but it like Super Giant Games is one of those uh, developers that is, you know, obviously really captured my imagination with Hades uh, as they did many many folks and pyro was there i think the game immediately before hades and it was designed like to be mixing like a, a story and a journey with kind of like a sports type type game and it always kind of appealed to me and the reviews for it were really strong and i feel like it's a company that's grown from game game to game and so i you know that's one when you guys said 13 sentinels i was like oh man that is a that is a tall order like it's a big you know, JRPG with lots of reading and like maybe not for everyone or whatever, but Pyre seems like much more manageable as a, uh, as a game to take on. Also, I would imagine it's not too expensive. No, it, it's not. Um, actually right now it's on sale, uh, on the PlayStation store for six bucks, 70% off that's $6, uh, us, uh, until September 1st. So depending on when you're listening to this and, and basically just, this is, this is just a big plug to see if anyone wants to join in 
We are playing through our Discord, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. And essentially what we're doing is we have uh, a volunteer who's playing ahead and helping us with our milestones and basically setting each week how far we're going to play. Um, the cool thing about Pyre is it doesn't necessarily have chapters, but it has very set points in which um, you hit a, uh, well, you hit a point at which you're going to start the process over again. So after um, you complete uh, a liberation rite, which is the the final sports match or what, whatever, however you want to describe it. Um, you'll know it when you see it when you when you get there. But essentially, it sets up about about two to four hours of gameplay each milestone, and then each Sunday we'll jump into the Discord and all the discussion doesn't necessarily happen on Sunday, but it'll happen over the course of a couple of days, and we'll just chat about that chapter, and it's all through uh, text chat and Discord, and you can join in late. Uh, we have all the threads. All the threads are set up separately, so you're not going to get hit spoilers. And it's been a lot of fun. It's a it's a big departure from 13 Sentinels going over to Pyre because, like, while it's still a narrative based game, uh, as you said, it's still it's still got that visual novel appeal similar to 13 Sentinels, where you're kind of watching the story unfold. But I think the biggest difference here is that the interstitial meta gameplay is more of a some would call it a sports game, and and I think where it boils down to a sports game, it really feels sports-y because it's got like a ball and you're trying to score points and and there's different abilities. But I think the best way it's been described after playing it is kind of kind of like a MOBA light where you have you know very specific game mechanics that you have to complete to win, but also there are a bunch of different heroes with different abilities you know, core mechanics of movement and jumping and, and, and sprinting, um, and throwing the ball, but all the heroes differ with their abilities. So they all have different abilities, but it's available on steam. It's available on PlayStation. And as I said, it is on sale for 70% off. So if you want to jump in, I know Crofton, you don't want to spend any more money, but if you got, uh, seven bucks and tokens left over from your, uh, arcade trips, you should uh, join in. We're only we're only to milestone three right now, so you're not too far off. Hey, I do actually. That's a good seg. I do want to talk about money, in the sense that last episode I went on this giant voyage with, about my love hate relationship with JRPGs and should I or should I not buy Xenos uh, Blade Chronicles three? You may recall, Ryan. I, I think everybody. I think everybody recalls. Um, and so for my vacation gaming, this is what I, I did. I took your advice and I started playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I already owned and I had played years previously. I finished a campaign with it and I played it again as a, uh, a different house. So you can play it three different ways. You had mentioned that the beginning was going to be a bit of a slog part one because you know, uh, to get to where things deviate drastically between the houses. Uh, and it was a slog. I, I will be honest. I started playing it and I was, you know, I enjoyed the battles, but the problem was, um, and I remembered this from last time. It's like I flashback. Normally I love this stuff. The in-between stuff, which is all at this monastery uh, where, where, which expands greatly. Cause in Hades, I love like, at the end of a run in Hades going around like I guess uh the the main area like the hub worlds or whatever uh Hades 
area, Hades itself, and talking to the characters and there's new dialogue and people, you know, it's just, it's just large enough that it's interesting. I'm going to go talk to this guy, that guy, pet the dog, you know, boost up a couple of powers, then jump back in there. I always enjoy it. They, they really hit that sweet spot, but in Fire Emblem Three Houses, it's this giant monastery and you can talk to Every single character in the game, and in fact, it tracks who you've spoken to and who you haven't. And I realized I have a bit of a completionist in it in me that I needed to go and talk to everyone before moving this to the next battle. Um, and uh, I did that for a couple of missions and was like, you know what, screw this game, uh, and uh, and stopped stopped playing it. And I realized at that point, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shell out for Xenoblade. So we were pretty much halfway through our trip at this point. And for some reason, I had not seen a video game store forever. And we saw one uh, just when I was filling up for gas in this area in New Hampshire off the highway. There's like a GameStop. So I walked into it and I can't even tell you the name of the town. Like I was looking for the name of the town on the receipt. I'm like, <laughs> where am I right now? Um, and uh, and I bought Xenoblade um, and uh, and then – out. It's funny because it gets sent right to uh, our visa, but I'm buying it in American money. And Jesse's like, "Oh, you bought you bought the game, eh?" And I said, "Yeah, finally." She's like, "Good, just play it." I'm like, "All right." And uh, but then she's like, "Huh, it wasn't that expensive." And she told me, "I forget how much it was, but it turns out New Hampshire, as 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 uh, loyal listener Travis noted, does not have sales tax. I did not know this, so just by waiting and hemming and hawing, I got a deal on Xenoblade. So uh, it ended up being like." Uh, I think it was cheaper all around. Like I think it was anyway. It, it was like sixty bucks Canadian or something crazy like that. And I was like, "Wow, I somehow got a deal by being stupid." Um, and because of how this episode is going, and I know it will go even longer, I won't go into Xenoblade this week. Uh, but I will say that I'm about twenty some hours in. Um, I, I'm past, I think, what would be the hump of JRPG, me bouncing off it. And there was a time at the beginning where, like, if it had been on Game Pass, I think I would have bounced. But because I've invested this money and I'm like, oh, you know, and it's on my Switch and I'm playing in the evening. Um, I got, you know, I've got, I've gotten into it. And uh, now I'm like, I there's a lot of fluff and there is a lot of extra shit and there's a lot that, that I could make fun of. But by and large, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm 25 hours in, which is into chapter three. And now I'm at the point where I'm doing a lot of stuff that's off the main quest path or whatever. And uh, it's been it's been good. Will, will I see it through to the end? I think doubtful because I'm already getting sick of some stuff. But uh, I look forward to playing it whenever I play it. And it's in, I think it's a good game. Uh uh so far it's funny because you know a lot of the uh the, the feedback on xenoblade has been like do you need to play one or two i have not okay so i don't know anything about the story of xenoblade chronicles one or two you do not need to know anything at least to where i'm at about xenoblade chronicles one or two to play this game which is great however one thing that is really annoying is it sounds like every xenoblade chronicles they add new things like new gameplay mechanics new combat things new 
whatever, whatever. And it's like they don't take them away. They just keep adding new ones. So while you, you're not going to be lost from a story standpoint, I'm getting tutorials every five seconds. And there is like a zillion things. And I'm trying to keep them all on track. I'm like, oh, shit. I know. I know. What are they introducing now? Like this and this. And now there's this upgrade tree and there's this. So it, it is a lot. But I feel like it's, you know, still manageable. I think if I get one more tutorial, I'm going to lose my mind. But aside from that, it's uh, it's a good game and I'm enjoying it. And I'll have much more on it in a future episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm also playing, uh, as we discussed last episode, I, I'm, I've just made it into chapter. I've just started to scratch the surface of chapter five. And uh, I mean, I have a couple of questions and then we will definitely move into the diaper section. But my my first question is like, yeah, like... Um, it's so who is your who's your favorite character that in the main party? Like, because I, I find with, you know, JRPG party games um, where you have a cast of characters that you're playing with, you always kind of latch on to one or two. So who's your favorite so far? And you have to have you have to have a favorite. You can't be all Croft and be like, oh, they all kind of suck. You know, so which is your favorite? They all kind of suck. No, I'm just, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm just kidding. It's clearly one of those situations where they're all one node characters until they're not. Right. Meaning, meaning that they they start the game and they're all like archetypes or different, like oh, uh, you know. And then at one point they're going to have some sort of side quest that is focused on them, and you're going to find out what makes them tick and the trauma that they're dealing with and that sort of stuff. But I am in the beginning of chapter three. And while I have like, you know, some of the main characters have gotten that treatment or a little bit of it, nobody else has. So I would say that for me, it's not even close. My favorite character is the main character, Noah, which is, which is um, one of those things where it's like, it doesn't need to be. Uh, uh, JRPGs are actually known for having kind of silent protagonists or main characters that are kind of, you know, nothing really. But Noah has uh, a great personality. But what I like the most about him is he's an empathetic character uh, and sort of leads by empathy and is always trying to think the best of, of people and things and is very positive in that way. And so I think at just at, at the core, it makes him uh, uh, my favorite character. All the other characters uh, are fine, uh, but they just – Right now, I'm still I'm still very much at the point. The only one that seems like maybe he's got a little bit more under the hood is uh, this Taeon, this guy from the uh, the other team or whatever. I don't want to reveal too Tyon, much. Taeon, yeah. Taeon, Taeon. He's he's he talks a lot, and therefore, you know. But but he's still you know they're all they're all one note really at this point. Uh, and it's them interacting together is interesting because then it's multiple notes happening happening together and, and the situation they're in, uh, which I won't ruin, is very interesting. Um, especially early on, it's already become a bit less interesting. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I expected they would be on the run for a lot longer than they have been. Now it seems like already we're not so. But uh, or as much as that we were um, in the early going, which I thought was an interesting conceit, being fugitives or being on the run. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, I would say that uh, all the I, I expect later in the game to be like, oh, this guy's the worst, and this one's good, or this is whatever. But right now, I find that they're all kind of mm, 
moderately interesting, have potential, and then Noah is really good, which is important because he's the guy that is like you're in it to win it with. Like if if I didn't if I felt the same about Noah as I felt about all the others, I don't know if I would be as keen to 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 follow it through. And like not revealing too much about it, but Noah's job um, and there's another character that has the same job as him, which, you know, they reveal in the opening scene, which is that he sends off the dead. He plays music to send off the dead, the departed, uh, I think is a really cool way to immediately, like you have a guy who's clearly has to be more in touch with thinking about death and, and what that, what that involves and, and, and that sort of thing. So I like any anime based thing. It's, it's, it's this mix of like super detailed themes, super in-depth themes and intense themes, and then ridiculousness um, <laughs> in, in, in equal order. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm enjoying both sides. Well, I'll say this, uh, you mentioned ridiculousness and I think where I'm at, I, I think early on in the game, I think you, you latch on to Noah. Cause as you said, he is the main character and his, uh, you know, interactions uh with with mio the other offseer on the other side makes those two characters really interesting early on but then as the game continues all the other characters start to get a a lot more uh presence and i think right now where i'm at i've really started to enjoy uh uni as a character because she constantly like you talk about the ridiculous she is ridiculous she's constantly calling people out she says it like it is and her lines are like in my mind, some of the more funny dialogue that that is written and this game can be like, it it depends on your sense. Everybody's sense of humor is different. But for me, as someone who's just relaxing and playing video games, I find that this game can have its funny moments as well as its heartfelt moments. And I think that's where I really enjoyed uh, Uni's uh, dialogue and stuff, especially when she comes across a character that she really despises uh, she will, uh, <laughs> she will give them shit and take no guff. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun game. It's it's well done, and we will certainly have more next episode because Crofton is going to beat it. As he said, he's he's going to get to the end. He's going to finish it. He spent sixty U.S. dollars on it. So here we go. We're going to talk about it. I I just I feel like um, already it's been worth it. So I, I I'm I'm glad. Uh, uh, but that that said, I, I realize more about myself that I am more of a completionist than I thought and that that kind of impedes my enjoyment of these games. Like I, I said to myself, I'm just going to – this game is so long. I'm just going to follow the main path. And then, of course, you know, as soon as I had an opportunity to return to the beginning part and and then, you know – that led to another area and another area. And now I'm like completely like I started chapter three and I haven't done one major quest that is part of chapter three, you know, one and two have been very focused. uh, And now I'm, I'm off um, doing uh, ridiculous stuff. But I I mentioned last time about how JRPGs and I, like how I feel like, you know, maybe I was outgrowing them and stuff. And, And while I still, I still share that, I still worry about that or still have it. Like the feeling that I wanted to get from a JRPG that, you know, that you're traveling the world, having, having adventures, the, even the, the being rewarded by a cutscene, like, you know, dungeon, like fight, 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 being rewarded by a cutscene, all of that. I, I like that game. I like that mechanic and I, I you know, I, I enjoy the story. I want to see what's going to happen next. Although I'm extremely 
cautious that this story is going to go entirely off the rails. Uh, but hopefully I'll be on board enough to, to bear with it when that happens. Inevitably. Yes. I think you'll be fine and you'll enjoy it. I mean, you played Elden Ring, which appears to be all off the rails uh, from outside looking at, it, I suppose. But um, let's let's move over to the diapers. We've got lots of fun stuff here um i'll kick things off as i think this will be a very uh, road tripping uh sort of focused uh segment although as i mentioned i, I did do a, a cottage vacation but um i ended up doing a road trip with izzy our youngest who's who's two i don't think izzy and i have really well i mean yeah she was born at the t- at the very start of the pandemic we haven't really gone anywhere very far so this was kind of the first time we've we've been able to sort of get out and and go and uh, we went to a wedding and one of the things about bringing kids like leaving home is you have to immediately determine like okay you know is she she still naps she goes to bed at a specific time that specific time is definitely not when a wedding ends and we were you know traveling up there and I had to think like okay how am I gonna how am I gonna do this so we we ended up staying at my aunt's Uh, I wanted to get there in time for Izzy to nap because I knew we would probably be out later past her bedtime. And I, I kind of did the thing that uh, most parents swear against. And and uh, I told this after the fact to Ashley. But uh, of course, like if I had told her ahead of time what I was thinking we might have to do, she'd be like, that's that's crazy and you're crazy. But uh, Izzy skipped her nap uh, the day of the wedding. And we ended up staying uh, up past her bedtime. We I think we actually kind of closed out uh, the wedding. I think by 10 o'clock, everyone was, was a bit tired. So yeah, Izzy was, uh, Izzy and I stayed till about like quarter to 10, which is about three hours past her bedtime by the time we got her home. I mean, don't get me wrong. She was cranky by the end of it, but she was a, she was a trooper through the whole thing. Um, she had, uh, she had a fantastic time. Um, she, she, we, we, they had a photo booth with, you know, sometimes weddings have those photo booths with a bunch of props and stuff. Um, uh, we, we did that and Izzy like got all dressed up and then she like started to walk away from the photo booth and like, no, no, you have to give them back. And she's like, no, I'm going to the dance floor. So she took all these props from the, from the photo booth and was going over to the dance floor and it wasn't, it wasn't a big dance floor and, and we were dancing and, and I was just trying to like get some photos and stuff. And I guess I wasn't dancing enough. So she like stopped dancing with me and then went up to another, uh, just a random mom and like put her arms out. It's like, okay, let's dance. And she ended up dancing just randomly with other people and she was just having a great time and i'm like all right i'll, I'll just uh sit this one out you go have fun um but uh yeah we had a we had a really great time uh she she had her first juice box uh once she got a taste of that she was like going back to the snack oh, bar oh man <laughs> yeah oh geez did how did ashley <laughs> you're like so uh yeah it went well uh wedding was great ashley uh Izzy has got a little bit of a juice box problem now, but uh, yeah. yeah. How did she date to that? Uh, well, see, the, this is the funny thing when she asks, oh, how'd the wedding go? I was like, yeah, um, you know, uh, she didn't nap. We went to bed late. She now has a taste for juice boxes. And, uh, you know, yeah, it went well. It, like, this is the thing. I Like I said, I said to myself, like, look, like, this is a, a special occasion. I figured, like, if I had to leave to put Izzy down at my aunt's, I wasn't going to be able to go back to the wedding. By the time we got home, it's, it's a whole bedtime thing with Izzy to try to get her down to sleep. 
takes about half hour to an hour and even longer if you're in a strange place that she doesn't recognize. So I figured like, look, we'll just, I'll, I'll push my luck. We'll stay up a little later. And I mean, it didn't become a problem until, uh, so this is another common, uh, thing for weddings is they have like, you have like a snack at the end of the night, but in this case they had like a candy bar, uh, which was just riddled with candy. And I, I was able, I thought I was being smart. I said, it, it, it comes out and Izzy's like, oh, we gotta go, can we go, can I go over and, you know, put some candy in, in and you have some candy. He's like, well, look, you can eat a bag of chips and, but you're not having the candy, but you can, you can fill up bags of candy if you want. We can bring them home and, and we can, you know, give them to your brother and sister. She took that to heart and she just started loading bags of candy. And I said, okay, that's enough. It's like, no, you said it. I could fill up these bags of candy. So I'm going to do that. So then I was like, okay, this is uh this is going to be a thing. And that was, that was the deal breaker. That's where she lost her temper because she was, you know, a two and a half year old who wanted to fill bags of candy. No one, and to her credit, no one else was really like partaking at the candy bar. So it's not like she was taking candy out of, out of people's, you know, hands or anything. But, uh, I was like, okay, we could only bring so much home of this candy. And she kept going back and, and we, we did have to leave at that point. But my understanding is not many folks, um, stayed after we left. So Izzy was indeed the, uh, the life of the party. Although, like I said, she did fade. Two, two year old shuts it down. Yeah, basically. I mean, we, like I said, we had a great time. I was a little worried about how, uh, it would go. I mean, early on, and this is going to be, like early on, I was thinking like, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, you know, eight o'clock might hit and she just might fade. But, you know, she she hung in there. And uh, yeah, like I said, we had a really great time. And and it, here's the thing. Like, I don't know. We, we were invited to three weddings this summer season. And this is the only one that invited kids. Like kind of open invitation to bring your kids outside of like, you know, oh, these kids are coming because they're closer to the family or they're part of the wedding ceremony like two other weddings i get it our kids weren't invited i totally understand that's three extra plates that you have to pay for i i, I planned a wedding i know it's just because you say oh you know yeah you know, make sure you have some chicken fingers at the buffet and you're good to go for the kids like yeah it's not always that easy right and it's not always that inexpensive so i get it but sometimes uh, like it's it's nice to be able to bring the kids out to the wedding and, and we we just haven't been able to do that in a, a very long time so um i was very grateful that we were able to to get out there and i was also very happy that that izzy enjoyed herself so yeah it was fun can't believe you stiff me though ryan oh that's true and you know what <laughs> it's not the only time i've done it this summer not specifically to you but to other folks where i just realized like time fades so quickly that i was like oh and actually say like did you message your your friend about you know plans and such and i'm like oh yeah i'll do that i'll do that and all all of a sudden it's the end of august and i'm like oh my god i feel terrible yeah if stuff is not planned for me it's kind of like i'm at that age ryan it's got to be planned oh i except sometimes like if everything just works out you never know i will say one uh just i didn't put this in there but it, it's right i think it's right before we last um or right after we last recorded, but it's been a while now. But uh, just before I went on vacation, uh, Bo, Mike, and I uh, uh, hung out, and Bo had just uh, bought 
an e-scooter, like an electric scooter. Um, and the idea here for him was that he was going to to work all the time and he was often getting a taxi because it's just not bus routes were great. And, you know, it, it, he, he would way too late and he felt like, well, you know, if I had an e-scooter, I, I would use it. And he got one at Best Buy. His his mom did a sales job on him and he, and he got one. And then we, we said, wow, that would be – that's cool. We should, we should, because we're in one of those cities where you can like rent e-scooters to go places like, you know, where you, where you, there'll be like a stand with them and you get an app and you use your credit card and you unlock them and then you hop on and you can drive them and leave them somewhere else. Have you ever mm. seen those before? Yeah, I think, uh, I think our town had bicycles of that nature. Yeah, I, I believe it. And it is funny because they go up. They go up about like twenty kilometer or twenty kilometers an hour, and then they won't go any faster. It's also funny. There's like computer programming because Bo uh, was able to go places that ours wouldn't, right? Because ours are like programmed to be on the roads, not to be on the sidewalks, and to be like uh, you know, there's they 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 lock it. Bo could get a little higher. Uh, kilometers on his but ours were like more heavy duty because they have to account for the fact that people treat them like crap but uh but it was funny because it was like fun because it was you know it was night summer in the city we're zooming around on these scooters like a scooter a middle-aged scooter crew or whatever uh when when you know downtown to the market got some ice cream there were fireworks going off it felt like a scene from a movie almost but it was a it was a good time uh the, those e-scooters are are some fun and then right after that the pretty much the next day i headed out for the uh the, the trip that i was going on with my family which was the longest we've ever been away from home uh, we went to the dominican republic earlier this year this was like our our uh, you know our summer big trip and it was going to be like kind of a road trip in the northern united states ending around the sherbrooke area in canada where where jesse's dad lives we were going to visit him for a few days which we did um and we so we went to lake placid in the u.s and we went to uh we went to burlington in vermont uh and they have a teddy bear factory there the girls got teddy bears which was awesome uh we went to laconia as i mentioned in new hampshire and then we went up to storyland which is like a a smaller scale theme park for kids um and that was a huge hit my kids had never been to a theme park before and this was just the right size and clara had four like was doing roller coasters and stuff i was like i i I'm, you know, they're kid size roller coasters are a little bigger, but then, then, um, then what you think when you think of kids roller coasters, but they're still like, you know, it's still scary. Like, but she was, she was taking it all in and, uh, that was, uh, that was awesome as well. So it was just, uh, in total, I think we were away, I want to say like maybe 15 nights or something. Like it was pretty long, uh, considering when we went to the Dominican, it was like one solid week. Right. And so the girls only at the very end, when we were at grandpa's, you know, we spent a couple of nights there. And then on the third night, they were like, we would like to go home. Like it was, it was, they were done at that point, but that was a pretty good haul. Although every day was something awesome. And we, we changed it up. Like the first, the first, um, hotel was on uh, a lake with a beach and, and you could go swimming and there were rafts to swim out to and you could get 
boards and stuff. So that was fun. And then the second place was we did like glamping, which is like fancy camping and they'd never been camping. So uh, it was, it was great because it was all the good stuff about camping without the bad stuff. Although they all got bit up by bugs before we got in the tent. So that there was some of the bad stuff. Uh, and then and then we went to another place, and the place in Laconia was also on a lake, and it was pretty great as well. And as I mentioned, had a games room. Um, so uh, so all all told, they had a pretty dang good time, and I did as well. Um, and it, it's funny the two types of trips, right? Like the the D- Dominican one was like we go somewhere and we relax or we relax as much as we can with kids for you know x amount of days uh where this one was like constant activities and planning and each day we're doing this thing and it was funny though because i found the change of scenery and the change it was i never felt exhausted by it i almost like this more the only thing that i i i found tough was the constant packing of bags because you know you're not in one place so it's like okay we got to pack up again fit it all in the car again move on that was always a pain, but the girls traveled really well and they both have tablets. So like they were looking at shows that we had downloaded beforehand and stuff. And so it was really easy travel, like um, probably easier than my parents ever had with when me, uh, me and my brothers were kids. Uh, we have much more available to them uh, now. So yeah, just, just fantastic, um, fantastic trip. Like it is funny because, because I did it all, it, you know, so much of it, like, if if we had just if I had just been to Storyland, I would be using the diaper section to talk about everything to do with Storyland, all the stuff we did. Just that day, like another day, we went to like an aquarium, and it was really cool. I would have talked about that one day. You know, like I, I mentioned Fun Spot. I mentioned like the glamping could have been its own thing on Dungeons and Diapers. But when you do it all at once, it just becomes like I was like, how am I going to talk about all this? I'm like, well, I'll just run through the major beats. Uh, the girls were great. We had a great time, and it was awesome, all told. So the last thing I would just say is that things are friggin' expensive now, right? I know that's not news to anybody, but um, but uh, the uh, I read an article about hotel shrinkflation, which is where essentially um, the prices of hotels have shot through the roof with inflation and demand, but the services have still uh, lagged behind because they were all pared back during the pandemic when nobody was staying at hotels. So for instance, we had never had anybody clean our rooms in any of the hotels. Like it used to be, they would do your bed every day or whatever. Now it was like, you had to be there for a minimum of a certain amount of nights and then you had to call them or whatever, whatever. And the reason we did glamping in Burlington is because uh, it was during the weekend and that was when prices were as high as ever. And I looked at it was like 500 US a night to stay in some fairly barely, you know, basic holiday in-style hotels in downtown Burlington. And I, I was like, that's crazy town, you know? And so we were looking at we were looking at alternative solutions. So yeah, just really really expensive. And all the meals, you know, um, I expected to get a reduction because I thought the American dollars would mean that things are less expensive, but it would often be the same price I'd pay for a meal in Canada, except in US dollars. So it was more. So yeah, just really expensive. I totally feel for people who can't afford to travel. And I, I really realize that we're in a fortunate position, but now we're super poor for the next little while we've got to recover. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you, uh, it is very expensive and, you know, um, 
we and that that was the whole thing you know for this these last three weeks it's it's been pretty expensive like even renting a like i was looking at this trip to ottawa and i'm thinking like okay i've not rented a car in 10 years i don't know what that costs and i looked it up it's like okay that was that it's pricey especially like the way they set it up where um you can't like i needed a vehicle to get to (laughs) to get to the rental place they will come pick you up but they'll only pick you up if you're going on specific days and also i was if i wanted to like really reduce it and it was just it was going to make it too difficult to go on saturday morning uh but then i was like okay where do i leave my kid while i'm going to get the rental car and then i'm like well do i get the is can the pickup service let me put i'm sure the pickup service would let me put a car seat in but it just seemed like a lot so we were like well you know what for safety reasons and for just general getting to the place we need to be at a certain time i'll just get the car an extra day and that was expensive and we were saving money on the ho- we didn't get a hotel and again i was looking at hotels as well and i was like holy crap like for one night it's it's like it's insane um so luckily my aunt was was very close by and was super uh nice to have us there for for the evening so that worked out but yeah it's it's expensive and um last summer we did the cottage thing. We did a cottage rental on Airbnb last summer and we thought, oh, it'd be really nice to get a, a cottage that would accommodate, you know, the grandparents as well. Um, so we got a cottage closer to, you know, closer to everybody, you know, far enough away, about an hour away uh, from home, far enough away that I, I literally, as soon as we got there, realized we forgot all the, the specific blankets for the kids uh, at home. So we live close, the cottage was close enough that I could turn right around go home, pick that up and come back to the cottage. Uh, Cause as soon as you ask the kids, like, do you think you could sleep without your blankets uh, and pillows for one night or two nights? Uh, and, and of course that was a resounding no. So I had to drive home. So added two hours onto the trip and gas is, is not cheap, but uh, you know, neither is uh, getting no sleep when you're going to be spending it outside all day. So uh, I made the sacrifice to, to drive back home and pick that stuff up. But you know, like you, like I, uh, this was one of those instances where we, you could pack a bunch of stuff, go to one place, stay there, and then have to pack it all back up when you leave. So it was one, it was, it was one pack up and, and, and go type thing. But I also don't like packing and I find it particularly stressful the more stuff you bring. Cause it's like, it's, it's more stuff that you can likely forget and, that thought always enters my brain as I'm leaving a place like, oh, no, I forgot to check X room for Y thing. And that's going to bug me the whole way home, wondering if that thing got left behind. Of course, you know, I, I don't think I've, you know, knock on wood, really forgotten anything. But that's my brain and, and uh, you know, just the anxiety of packing and remembering everything uh, can be tough. But, uh, you know, with this rental, we we had a it was expensive, but we had a great time. It was on the water. Um, it was a, it was a big, it was a big cottage, probably more space than we needed, but we wanted to accommodate, um, you know, the grandparents coming up and and they helped pay for it as well. So that was, that was a bonus too. And it was, uh, it was a cottage with like sort of a, uh, an apartment suite above the garage. So there was two separate places. So we took the main cottage and it had like a separate sort of apartment for the grandparents to stay at. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It worked out really well. And I mean, honestly, um, you know, we 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 went three nights, uh, but we only we only had one set of grandparents stay over. So it was 
you know, it was um, it was one day trip with with my parents and then one uh, overnight with with Ashley's parents. And we had a good time. Like the kids really enjoyed it. They warmed up to uh, the lake was a little cold, but Caden loved it. He was jumping in the whole time. I mean, I'm not much of a lake swimmer, and he kept wondering why I wouldn't jump off the dock. And I'm like, buddy, whenever I go into lakes, I get an ear infection and an eye infection, and I really don't want that. I like when I was a kid, I went swimming in the lake once, and and it just it has scarred me since then. Like I always something always you know gets oh, to me dude, lake swimming is so awesome oh but it's so dirty have you not listened to that episode of core where bo pooped in a lake i mean yes i know but that's bo and he poops in the lake even if with bo's poop in the lake they'd still be clean by and large like i mean i i the one thing i will say is if it's a pond then start asking oh gosh it's not a pond no but like sometimes the line between pond and lake because we last year we were at a cottage or it was the year before we were at a cottage and it was on what they said was a lake, but it was more like a large pond. It was good enough swimming, but I got bit by a snapping turtle. Um, and uh, yeah, like I was sitting on the raft and I had my feet dangling in and suddenly something just like bit into my toes. And I looked down and it's like this dinosaur. Um, and uh, I was freaked out and then didn't want to go back in the water. But that was like those giant snapping turtles should like that. That obviously that pond was in the middle of the woods and was really not that large and the snapping it was perfect snapping turtle, but at, when I was in uh, Lake Placid, I was swam on Mirror Lake and it was just perfect and this is beautiful big you know big enough lake and you, anyway lake swimming is awesome. My my mom lives on the Gatineau River uh, and I be, I grew up swimming on the river and river swimming is great too. Both those things great swimming, Ryan. You're missing out. Yeah, I'm I, I'm also not much of a swimmer either. Like I enjoy a good swim, don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, I'm more like uh, I, I did, you know, for the record, I did go in the lake. I did bob around a bit and, you know, Caden loved it. He was jumping in. Abby wasn't jumping in, but she was just kind of hanging out in the water. And and Izzy, you know, she was just fine to play at the beach and stuff. But, you know, it was it was really cool. It was all like it was all there. Like we had, they had like uh, canoes and and kayaks. Like the last cottage we went to, they had a kayak, and Caden was all over it. Like he was just in the kayak the whole time, and I was in the water with him, so I wouldn't let him go too much farther. Um, but he said, like next cottage we get, there has to be a kayak, and I'm like, absolutely, buddy. He loved it. He was in there paddling and going around, and and he just he'd never kayaked before, and he was he was right on board. And um, this time, Ashley brought some like longer uh, ropes that we tied to the kayak. And then we said, OK, OK, you can go paddle around and we'll, you know, we'll hold on to this tether, or hook it up to the dock so the idea doesn't go off. And, you know, your comment of it being like, is it a, a pondy lake? It's like it was it's a, it is a lake, but it had um, it, it was very deep. Like, I guess off the dock is like 10 feet deep. And then the 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 furthest depth is like 50 feet. So it's a very That's deep. Perfect. I yeah, love that. no, it, it sounds like you could fit a lot of monsters in there. So I, I just, I don't know. I'll look. Yeah. Gwen, Gwen is in this scared period where she needs me to go in the water first before she gets in the water. Like, yeah. I, it's just really, uh, anyway, I, it, it happens. I, I know I saw jaws as a kid one day and it really messed me up. And I kept thinking that sharks were going to swim up three rivers to get to mine, but uh, it never happened. One thing I'll, I'll tell you, Ryan, 
is is one day I'll have you over to my mom's place right on the river. It'll be great. We'll 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 set you out. You can you can swim. I'll get a board. Uh, I'll put a tablet on top. We'll play Cheers. You can watch it while you swim. Uh, we'll kill two birds with one stone. It'll be it'll be fantastic. Right. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I mean, I have been aiming to watch Cheers now that like, at least for the last hour since you mentioned I should watch it. But um, you know, uh, we'll just have to finish up She Hulk first. But uh, you know, I, like I said, we we had a great time at the the cottage rental. I think next year. We're going to switch things up. Ashley wants to buy uh, like a like a pop-up tent uh, trailer, uh, which funny enough, if you buy one used, is about the cost of two cottage rentals. So um, like and that's something we you can own as opposed to uh, send uh, away to Airbnb. Um, so like I think that's what we're going to do next year is we're, we're looking into a like a tent uh, trailer as a sort of an, and that's what I did when we were kids. My dad had a. He had a trailer and it, but it was one of those trailers where you just, you parked it at, at a specific spot. I think, um, you know, my, my dad's family had like a little, little spot where you could, it was, it was actually on a small river, uh, more of a stream river, <laughs> you know, if we want to get technical, but, um, we, you would sleep in the trailer, but that's really all it was. It was just basically beds and some, some counter space. Uh, you see trailers now and they got everything, but this was like very much, you know, I think that the bathroom was always like, why can't we use this real bathroom instead of this hole in the ground? And it's like, no, like that's just storage. That's where you put all the stuff, you know, you don't use the bathroom in these, in these trailers. Uh, but I think that's what we're going to do next year is Ashley is looking into trailers. So we're going to pick up one of those, try it out, uh, skip the, the cottage rental for a couple years or, or get something a little less, you know, um, all inclusive get something a little smaller. Uh, but yeah, we, we did have a great time. We did lots of swimming and we did some, uh, some, some campfire s'mores. Of course, you can't go wrong with those. We did those too. Glamping. I give Ashley credit. We're thinking about, uh, we're thinking about, um, uh, like some, something to make it cheaper over the summer. Like Ashley's the girl with the gall. She's, she's ahead of, (laughs) she's ahead. She's ahead of the curve. Whereas I'm still trying to, uh, to, to figure out like, do we get a, you know, a tent trailer, uh, an RV? Do we look to buy us, try to find a small piece of land somewhere and go to the same place? Or do we do what we did this year? And like, you know, as expensive as it seems at the time. And right now it does seem very expensive. Uh, I I wonder if over the course of the year, if you looked at owning something like this, if it would end up like um, a, a trailer or, or or whatever that you would be looking to get, if it if if that investment is worth worth it. It, it but I we're we're definitely thinking about like what what can we do, uh, especially over the summer for summer holidays, especially if we're if we're prone to like maybe trying to save up for a winter flyaway holiday because Canada's cold in the winter. But uh, anyway, uh, one of the thing I left out in, 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 um, in my road trip stuff was the Jessie's, you know, she, she's still dealing with the, the pain from her, uh, her face and the trigeminal nerve and stuff. Um, but we were, we were happy that the trip went off. Like she's she, without a hit, she was able to take the pills that she needed and it was all right. So we're worked out on that front. I think like, it is funny. We've had two great trips this year, but it's been majoritarily a pretty shitty year because of this health, um, this health thing. So, uh, and it is funny how you, you had a, 
you know, you got your family vacation and then just your you and Isabel vacation or, or, or trip. So it, I, I feel like for the next little while we may be staying, staying, uh, staying put. Uh, but it, you know, for guys like us who are, I think, I don't want to speak for you, Ryan, but I've been pretty sedentary pretty much since the beginning of the pandemic in terms of sticking around the Ottawa area. Um, uh, you know, this has been a lot of travel. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's uh, I think for the last couple of years, for the most part, it's it's basically been here and around here. And um, yeah, I think that was something this summer that we wanted to change and and get out. And you same, know, I, I think like you mentioned, you know, the camper. Uh, Ashley, actually, you know, kudos to her. She's she tested it out. Like we found, um, like a guy uh, on like on Facebook Marketplace who rents his his secondary pop up trailer, and we thought, well, this would be a, like it was a hundred bucks for the weekend. It was very inexpensive, and uh, it was just an opportunity to test it out. Like we we got a hitch installed on the van, and uh, that cost <laughs> a pretty penny, but we we did it. Uh, it was an investment and um, Ashley rented this trailer and she took it for the weekend to one of the provincial parks. And it was fairly inexpensive, like for a rental, like if you don't need uh power or pump out or whatever, it's just literally to get you off the ground to sleep. Like you might want to, you know, look into that for even just to see if it, it suits your needs, just if it, if it fits that, um, that that gap of like wanting to be off the ground have something a little more maybe not as close to glamping but like something that that uh, you know kind of find what you're looking for and see what works for your family and and whatnot for us it's it's like because of that experience like ashley has a very specific vision of uh what she wants to get in terms of a in terms of a trailer so it'll be uh it was a good it was a good experience she she really enjoyed it um and and like I said, like when I was a kid, my my, my dad always had a trailer uh, that that we would go to as a family, and um, and it, it was good. We had a really great time. So I, I I look forward to next summer when we have a trailer. Instead of a trailer, you know, one thing you could consider getting. What's that? A pool. Oh, I thought you were oh. going to say an outro to this podcast. Well, you know what, Crofton, you're right. This is the end of the podcast, not just because you brought up the pool. You made it a whole hour and 30 minutes without bringing up the pool. Uh, but you did it. You did it. But here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. You might be wondering, didn't you promise you would do like some sort of spoiler cast for Spider-Man No Way Home? And, and you are I correct. was wondering that. You were wondering that. Well, you know. For for the folks at home, they they might be wondering why it's not going to happen right now. Well, it's it's going to happen for us, but for you at home, it's going to be about a week. So uh, look forward to that uh, in the feed coming soon. Uh, a Spider Man No Way Home spoiler cast. But that is going to do it for this episode. Crofton, folks at home can visit us on the web tgistudios.com/slash dad. You can email the show dad at tgistudios.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me at rmurphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and the show at dndcast. That's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have yourselves a great couple weeks, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Man, I was the MVP of that one, but you were all probably thinking that. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that is you are you are on yeah." And then, I, oh yeah, Xenoblade. It's like, well, you know what? Um, 
it's just too bad we didn't i mean maybe maybe what you're saying is next time we need to find something with a bit more meat on it did i i got that one in early if you listen did you oh sorry yeah that that you missed that one i got that one in in the first quarter uh uh when when you were transitioning to topics i was like i was like ryan and uh, you know hear that ryan's looking for well, i forget what, it, what i said looking for something with a bit more meat on it no it's, it's hear that no Lance wants something a bit meatier oh yes 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 uni's the best ryan wants something a bit meatier i almost yeah i always went back to it there but yeah whatever i survived got my got my xenoblade jokes in and 